Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Are you ready for the word this morning? I am excited to, uh, man, Heather just knew how to wind it up. My goodness, I could lose my job if I'm not careful. Uh, that girl, she, uh, kitty pool. She brought her kitty pool in here. I couldn't hardly believe that. She, she brought that thing in here and, and uh, uh, talked about how you ought to move over into the deep things of God, right? Aren't some of you tired of splashing around and move into the, talk about being spiritually controlled or spiritually free. Uh, I like the language she used. To be spirit, say, I'm free. And to be spiritually free of the things of your past, to be free of the law, right? To, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your lives. Um, we've been working as a staff to try to uh, bring into the forefront what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. Say, Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. Say it out loud. Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. To understand that we are the abode, the home, the dwelling place of the Most High God. You, you do understand that in the Old Testament they had encounters with the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God came upon and then left. That the Spirit of God lived behind a veil in the tent, the tabernacle, or in the temple. And, and that man could get so close. But in the New Testament, you, you see, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And that the main drive, if you will, the, the main thing of being a Christian is the acquisition of God in us, to be in us. Have you know you, God is in you right now? Oh, my goodness. That he lives in there. I actually believe that there's been a spiritual theft going on. For the last 25, 30 years, I think there's been a theft of the spirit out of the church. I think that we've long, Heather made a statement about how, uh, that she had to kind of go underground with being spirit filled because of the criticism of the world around. You kind of hide the fact that you speak in tongues because it's not, uh, she broke my heart when she said, I didn't know we were different until I went to a Christian school. And at the Christian school, they told her that the Catholics were not saved. She went to, isn't that interesting? She said, Dad, I just thought we were all the same. I didn't know that this doctrine made us opposed to this. It was only Christian doctrine that did that. You know how much that broke Dad's heart? To think that we are divided because of our view of God. And in reality, God's view of us is that we're all His children. Instead of looking at God through our, our lenses, maybe we ought to look at each other through God's lenses. But, but I think that because of that, many times people are spirit-filled, but they're a little afraid of letting the world know that they're spirit-filled. I, I, I'm not ashamed of being spirit-filled. If you hang around here very long, I'll talk in tongues. Uh, and I like Heather when she says she learned it from her dad. Uh, what, what body part do you use to talk with? Last time I knew you had to use your tongue to pray. So to speak in other tongues. So we've been trying as a, as a staff to think about what it means to live a spirit-filled, spirit-shaped, spiritually free life. And today I want to talk to you about how to live spiritually gifted, to live with the gifts of the Spirit of God. 
I truly believe that every one of you are gifted by the Spirit. They're not natural. They're not educational. They're spiritually imparted to you. I remember years ago, I was on a plane to London, about 1988 or 89, and I was on a plane to London to go over there, and I looked like I was about 20. I, I, I was older than that, but I looked, and I was going to teach these teachers of the world, and I was really struggling over what to say. And the Lord took me to Romans chapter 1, verse 11, and He said, I have sent you to impart spiritual gifts to them that they might be made stronger. Did you know spiritual gifts will make you stronger? That if you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will be stronger than the things of the world. That our weapons are mighty for the pulling down. You don't want to try to live in the 21st century without spiritual gifts. And yet there are many people that don't even know that they have them. We've used as our keynote scripture, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might... Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Say, by my spirit. By the breath of God. By the wind of God. He says, listen, nothing more will be done by the armies of Israel. Nothing more will be done by the might of men. But there will be a day that my people are empowered by my spirit and that nothing will be able to withstand them. That they'll be able to move mountains. That they'll be able to part seas. They'll be able to heal the sick and raise the dead. Not because they're educated or intellectual, but because God himself is going to live inside of you and accomplish through you all of his will for humanity. You do understand there's more dynamite in you than there was when they hit the World Trade Centers. You do understand that the display of the power of the enemy on 9-11 is nothing compared to the power that is resting on the inside of every little boy, little girl, grown man in the body of Christ. But the enemy does not want you to discover the potential that is hidden on the inside of you. The enemy wants to keep you feeling rejected. He wants to keep you feeling shame or in guilt or he wants to keep you closed in and never tap into the reality that God that created and redeemed is in you. And many times people go about faking that. They go about acting like that. But the truth is, is that if we could humble ourselves and come into the presence of God, that he himself would release his power, his might inside of us. And as Heather kept telling all those stories about her dad, I, I wanted to go, no, no, but I had to keep going, yeah, yeah, we did that. Uh, that's what we did. We went in, had no food, sat there and prayed. This lady, Rita, knocked on the door. I'll never forget it. We, we, I'd, prayed, I'd preached that morning on prosperity, on how God wants you to prosper. And we went home, little house on 8th Street, opened up the door, walked in, sat down, and he says, I got nothing. And the, the strangest lady in the church at the time, Rita, she's oddball. And all of a sudden there's a knock on that, on that door on 8th Street. And she's standing there with sacks of groceries. We ate on it for a week and a half. That's weird, right? And Heather's telling those stories. But that is the way we lived. We lived under this divine appointment of the presence of God. You've come too late to talk to me about how to walk in the Holy Spirit. If it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have even been here. The Holy Spirit will do weird things. 
About a year ago, I said in a circle of pastors in this town, and as they were describing their church, and as it came my turn, one gentleman looked up to me and said, well, you're just the weird place in town. I think I have forgiven him. I drove out of that parking lot that day and realized that if you get as wired as I think we are, then the world looks at you as weird. That's why the Bible says Caleb had a different spirit about him. Different. See, the kind of spirit that you have will determine the life that you live. You have to make up your mind that you're going to be filled with, under the control of, in the freedom of the spirit of the living God. Today, too often, we allow the world to squeeze us into their mold and to be shaped into this thing that is so much less than being spirit-filled. Early in 1993, I took a trip to Cuba, and uh, it, was a, it was a horrible place. And we were in a, in a church, a building that was falling down. It really wasn't a church. It was just kind of a, and it, it might have been this size. And they would put about 200 people in it. There'd be no chairs in it. And they played Latin praise more. Have any of you been to a Mexican church? That's really good. I mean, it's loud, and it, it, they're sweaty, and I look down on the ground, and, and there'd be about that much sweat on the floor. <laughs> and, and they said the Lord had told them that He was going to water their land again. And so they begin to worship, and they'd, the floor would become wet with their perspiration. And when it would become wet with their perspiration, then the, then the preacher would get up and preach. And so I, I got up, and I preached. And the more I preached, they began to fall. This is a crazy thing. They'd fall on each other. They'd lay each other. We'd hear each other. And I just keep, I have no idea what I was preaching. I don't think it mattered. And, and when they got up, you got to remember since 1958 to 1993, they had no dentistry in that country. And Pete, when they got up, they had fillings in their teeth. And they were gold. Are you listening to me? You see, we are so far removed from the reality of what God does that you hear a story like that and you're going, that's just unbelievable. But see, I, I've seen it. Because those were desperate people. They didn't have insurance. Their government really, really sucked. Really. I want to look at every American and go, shut up. You understand, I've been in 29 countries of the world, I think. Do you understand how blessed we are? To have Medicare? To even have a doctor's office? And we act like the world in America is going to hell in a handbasket? No, it's not. You live the most blessed lives of any people in the world. Maybe instead of criticizing the country we live in, maybe we ought to be grateful for the country that we live in. They got up with gold. They were desperate. And I'm telling you, we didn't just talk in tongues, we sang in tongues. We had manifestations of stuff that you can't even, it, you, it's crazy. That was weird. And I would preach, and they'd all fall down, they'd open this door, and they'd go out the back door, they'd sweep the water off the floor, they'd open that door, and they'd pack it again. Seven times a day for six days. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God. God will blow your mind. He'll do unusual things. He'll do extraordinary things. He wants to do them here. He wants to do them in your life. 
He, he wants them to happen, but at some juncture you have to get to a point where you don't care what it looks like. You don't care what it sounds like. You don't care what other people think about it. You just know deep down on the inside that if it's not for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're in real trouble. Amen. Oh, well. You see, it's supposed to be normal that we're spirit-filled. It's supposed to be normal that we live this life that's been empowered by the very presence of God. Let me, let me give you a word picture. Have you ever seen a caterpillar? Have you ever seen a butterfly? It, it changed, didn't it? It changed. And I'm not talking about it stopped smoking. I'm not talking about it stopped drinking. I'm talking about it didn't have a million feet anymore. It had wings. I'm talking about the ontological structure of the worm was no longer a worm. That what used to crawl could now fly. That what was a worm and was ugly is now beautiful. I'm not talking about altering the behavior of the worm. I'm talking about the worm becoming something totally other than what it knew life was. I'm talking about a transformation that changes you so much on the inside that people can no longer even recognize who you are. We have settled for behavioral modification rather than a complete reconstruction of who we are. We have allowed ourselves to be preached to about don't do, do this, act this way, buy that, be this, and we've missed the point. God wants to take us from crawling on the ground to soaring in the air. That's change. That's transformation. That means you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But we've settled for the fact that you don't smoke no more. We've settled for the fact you don't drink no more. We've settled for the fact that you believe our doctrine and not that doctrine. We've settled for the fact that we've divided ourselves up into, well, we're better than the Catholics, better than this, better than that. That is all garbage. Every bit of it is garbage. Because the Bible says we are transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the living God. This is not a self-improvement course. This is the reality of encountering the Spirit of God to the degree that you are altered in a completely different way. Listen, I could not talk. I, 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 if I started telling, I couldn't tell the story in 10 ways. God remakes, reshapes, reforms, fills with his potential those people that come into the presence of the living God. Oh well, it's just not popular today. Because when those things take place in your life, what you realize is you can't tell people, hey, I did these three things and now I'm skinny. I, I did these three things and now I'm rich. I did these three things and now my marriage is better. I did these three things and my whole life's changed. If you just take my little pro No, this is about being completely, fully surrendered to the one that now lives on the inside and he directs and leads and guides and accomplishes his will. Can I tell you what? He changes my mind for me more than I do. I'll start down doing something and all of a sudden he'll go, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to do this. He goes, no, you're not. And all of that takes place in milliseconds. Milliseconds. I mean, I want to hit him in milliseconds. Every, never mind. Don't even. Say, by my spirit. You see, the entire aim of Christianity is the acquisition of the presence of the spirit of the living God. 
We are a people that's supposed to be so transformed that the world can't even recognize who we are. And they simply start going, well, they look like Christ. They just look like Jesus. We need marriages that are transformed. We, we, we need schools that are transformed. We need, we need churches. We need, we need, I need the world to be transformed. But see, transformation begins with you, and it begins with me. Transformation does not happen because of why you think. It happens because you yourself are so changed that it begins to cause a chain reaction. You're the salt of the earth, the leaven, the light. When you put salt on something, you preserve it, and it completely, just bring me a mic. You see, hell doesn't want you to find out the power that lives on the inside of you. The devil doesn't want you to find out how, how, how much energy there is on the inside of you. If the, energy, if, if the enemy can keep you from discovering the potential of the Holy Spirit, he can keep you living a life of mediocrity. He can keep you from accomplishing the plans and the purposes that he has for your life. It is the call to being filled with the Spirit that will absolutely change the hearts of men. I could do without this. My voice feels pretty good. Look at your neighbor and say, by his spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unlearned. I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be uninformed. And yet today you hear very little conversations about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, about faith that's given as a gift, about gifts of healings and miracles. Why? Because most of the church has said it ceased. But I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that greater is he that's in you, that he is in the world. I believe that God still wants to download with you the wisdom that comes from heaven and not the wisdom that is echoed through the media. I believe that God has information that will change and impact every facet of your life. You see, the gifts of the Spirit will determine who you are, why you are. They're mission critical. They will give you an insight into what God has called you to do and to be. We believe that in the Father's house. We believe that you are to encounter the Holy Spirit into such a way that you will walk in the intelligence of heaven. That you would not be uninformed or misinformed. That you would be gifted so much from the presence of God that you would be able to establish on this earth the kingdom of God. If we're going to believe that, we have to first of all believe that God is good. Say it with me. God is a good God. He doesn't use his spiritual gifts to beat up other people. He doesn't use his prophetic word to embarrass other people. He doesn't use his prophetic word to uncover your sin. God is a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and there is no shadow of turning. God is a good God. God is a generous God. Just ask the 11th hour worker. Ask the 11th hour worker. The 11th hour worker got the same wage as the guy that started at first in the morning. See, that will go against every one of your capitalistic ideas. It will challenge everything. Well, you only get what you work for. If you don't work for it, you don't get it. Ask the 11th hour worker. Ask the prodigal son. The prodigal son took his, wasted it, came back and got another dose. God is a generous God. You don't get the Holy Spirit because you've earned it. You don't get it because you measure up. You get it because God is a good, generous, kind. Ask the people that ate after five loaves, two fish and had more left over. Heck, he turned water into wine. You do have to understand they came to Peter and said, 
you're, you're, you're drunk with wine. He goes, no, we're not. It's only nine in the morning. Now he leaves me with this thought. If it was six in the afternoon, they could have made that accusation. You haven't read the whole thing, I guess. God is a good God. He is a generous God. He, he, he wants to lavish upon us the gifts that come from him. First Corinthians chapter one, verse seven says that you would come up short in no gift. Say with me, I want an abundance of the gifts of God. I want all there is. I am so tired to listen to cessationists going, well, if he wanted me to have the gift, he'd give it to you. Honey, he already did. He's already given it to you. He says he's poured them out upon us. They're already available. They're here right now, this morning. They're available for you. It's just that he ain't going to unwrap it for you. You got to unwrap it yourself. You got to discover it yourself. You got to know. Okay. Three major gifts. Uh, by grace, you have been saved. And this is the gift of eternal life. How many of you received the gift of salvation? The gift of eternal life. The gift of heaven. How many know you didn't do anything to get it? That he gave it to you. That it's free. That he saved you by his work and not by anything you... Some of you still haven't got the gift. How many of you received the gift of salvation? The gift of union with God. You're on your way to heaven. You're not on your way to hell. Your sin's been covered. Your shame has been removed. Oh, I, you enjoyed that gift, huh? I can, maybe I ought to give you, the gift of salvation is the first gift. The second gift is the one that we've been talking about when Paul shows up and says, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? In other words, salvation is a gift, but the Holy Spirit is also a gift. And you have to receive the Holy Spirit. And the reason why most people are afraid of it is because the Holy Spirit will invade He'll go into the deepest crevices of your life. You'll be talking to him about this, and he'll be going, yeah, but I want to talk to you about that. You'll be bragging about what you did with this closet, and he'll be talking to you about another closet. He'll invade. Hook me up here. Time out. They're more excited than you are. I think I'll go back and preach to them. Am I on? Are we better? Can you hear me? Say with me. His second gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit that's poured out for everyone. If you read in Acts chapter 2, he said it's for your sons and your daughters. Boys and girls. Say boys and girls. It's for men and it's for women. Do you know, up until 100 years ago, we didn't even believe that. Up until 100 years ago, we just thought men sat on one side, women sat on the other side, men could preach, women could not. Somebody ought to be going, thank God the Holy Spirit has no respect of gender. The Holy Spirit will work through men, work through women. You know, there's a whole denomination, a whole movement out there. It's got a real division going on as to whether or not Beth Moore ought to be allowed to preach. Can I tell you how silly that is? Can I tell you how much time I have for that kind of nonsense? Listen, the Holy Spirit makes all of us equal. Jews and Gentiles, boys and girls, men and women, it's for all. Say all. You know what that means? They, it says they were empowered to preach. I got a guy telling me he's a preacher, not a pastor. No, no, no. You're just a saint. Because every one of you are preachers. My job is not, I moved to town, old man took me to lunch one day. Bruce, if I called his name, you'd remember him. Old man took me to lunch and we're sitting there having lunch. And he went over and got one of his buddies, come back and said, this is my new preacher. 
new preacher. The guy left. I said, listen, I'm not your preacher. I'm your pastor. There's a difference. Pastors and apostles, we're supposed to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Do you understand that the work of the ministry is to be done by you, that you are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes to give you power, first and foremost, to be a witness of Jesus. Don't expect to be operating in any other of the gifts if you can't give witness and testimony to the fact that Jesus saved your behind. There's a lot of people that want the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they don't want to do any proclaiming or bragging about Jesus. you got to start with talking about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, you can expect the third gift to come into your life. The Holy Spirit was given to all of us to proclaim the good news that Jesus has saved me. To proclaim the good news that God has died on a cross and risen on the third day. You need Well, I just can't do that at work. Get saved. Receive the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be witnessing about God. You're not supposed to be so compartmentalized that God is just on Sunday morning for an hour. God's supposed to be in every area of your life. I got to tell you, the way God began to break that shyness off of me was to get me in a public place and tell me to praise Him. It was the oddest of things. I'd be standing, I heard the mall. How many remember the mall when it had that great big reindeer? Had that ugly reindeer, and that reindeer would move, and there was Santa Claus over here, and, and all the people in town that bring their children to stand around this little picket fence, and the reindeer would sing, I don't know, something, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and there'd be a hundred kids. You remember this, Bruce? And, it was, uh, and, and I stand there one afternoon, probably Sunday afternoon, and the Lord said, praise me. And I went, okay. <laughs> he said, praise me. I said, okay, I am. And he said, do it now. And I went, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> There's this crowd behind me. And when he said, that's all you got? He said, I'm telling you to praise me. Are you ashamed of me? If you don't praise me, I'm not going to answer your prayer. In the name I praise you. I'm telling you. People went like this. You didn't need a mask. <laughs> I created social distancing by just going, Jesus. They ran. I'm telling you, if you're ever worried about social distancing, just start preaching the gospel on the airplane. They'll back off. See, we've received the Holy Spirit that we might proclaim the word of the living God, that we might understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and that we've received the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can see unusual miracles done in our lives. Unusual miracles extraordinary things that we could be so intoxicated by the presence of the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't care what others around us might be thinking. If you want the Holy Ghost to break out in this room, you've got to at least be willing to sing in your living room. I got news for you. God's never going to rise above your lid that you've put on your personal life in your prayer closet. If you think you're going to come in here and experience healings, but you aren't willing to go home at night, turn off the television, and do a little dancing in your living room, nothing's going to happen in the corporate expression. Notice how quiet it got here. We used to go home. You know, I did not dance when I became a pastor. I danced because I stand on the front row of a church one night, and the Lord said, if you'll dance, I'll break strongholds off your people. You were probably there. Mike Daisy was there playing that great big guitar that looked like a gun. You remember? And I stand there. I didn't own anything but white socks because white socks was the only holy socks we were allowed to wear. Oh, you don't get it. I was raised in Pentecost. Holiness people. Holiness people. If you bought colored underwear or colored socks, you were vain. 
So I had white socks. That's all I had. And a tie. Because we were holy rollers. We weren't just rollers. <laughs> we were holy rollers. And, and you could only dance if the Holy Ghost picked you up and just jerked you around. And I'm standing there and Mike Daisy's playing this guitar. You don't even know who Mike Daisy is. Mike Daisy played the guitar for Elvis Presley. And he's playing up here. And the Lord said, if you'll dance, I'll break the strongholds off the people that you pastor. And I thought, dance? Last place I danced, I can't talk much about that. I mean, come here, babe, we'll do the flat. And I started jumping. And then you know what? Do you know what it means to rejoice? The word rejoice means to leap. Do me a favor, stand up. Just stand up, yeah, yeah. Now just bounce. Every demon's breaking away because we're just rejoicing that Jesus is Lord. We're shaking everything. Yeah, some of you are going, I ain't never doing that. You can sit down. That's why I've spent most of my life dancing. Do you know the only broken bone I've ever had in my life? Was dancing. Right there. I was leaping and jumping. I thought I'd become really good. You don't want to dance without shoes on. See, we're given the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because we're willing to go beyond the norm as we worship this God who has saved us and called us into his presence. The Holy Spirit will come and he'll begin to manifest himself in our lives. The first gift is your salvation. The second gift is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The third gift is called the gifts of the Spirit. And it's when the Holy Spirit begins to do through you the things that only He can do. Barna says that 80% of the body of Christ knows nothing about these gifts. 80% knows nothing about what it means to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, a gift of faith, a discernment of the Spirit, praying in tongues, and an interpretation of tongues. 80% of the body of Christ knows nothing about how God wants to work through your life the things that only He can do. Lord, have mercy on us. Which means we're on our way to heaven. Every once in a while we have a goosebump because God is in us. But yet, Bruce, right behind the veil of that relationship are the manifestations of God that will come through your life. If you had a man, I just want to be in the presence of God. Honey, he lives in you. I get tickled about people saying, I want the presence of God. He lives in you. Let me say it again. I want the presence. He lives in you. You know what he wants from you? His freedom. He set you free, but you've got him locked up. And you let him out every once in a while, whenever you're under so much dadgum pressure that you know, or every once in a while when you feel like it. Can I tell you something? Your feelings will keep you from experiencing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. All the enemy has to do is keep you depressed and feeling ashamed, out, poor old me, keep you in that negativity, and you'll never experience the manifestations of the power of God in your life. The church is so anemic. 
They're, they're arguing about things. Can I tell you the last 18 months, the church has argued about so much crap. And the truth of the matter is, there's enough power, latent, hidden potential in the church to absolutely stop a virus. But they're too busy arguing about, do I wear a mask or do I not wear a mask? Do I get vaxxed or do I not get vaxxed? Honey, you know nothing about the potential of the Holy Spirit that is in your life right now. Anybody in here born again? Anybody here received the Holy Spirit? Oh, oh, then there's more dynamite. If we could get unified and not divided. If we, if we could understand that we're forgiven, chosen, called. If we could understand it's not by something we've done, but it's all by grace. That means we've got to give grace to the people that are different than us. Grace to the people that mess up. See, he said he poured the Holy Spirit in our hearts that we might love one another. You know the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit? Love. You know what makes you a butterfly? Love. See, as long as there's criticism and critique and judgmentalism, as long as that's going on, there can't be the work or the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, right now, think of the person that has hurt you the most. I don't care who it is. Think of the person, she slammed the door in your face, slept with Bob and left. Can you see her? Forgive her. Forgive her. Pray for her. Right? It'll take the Holy Ghost. It'll take the Holy Ghost for you to do that. And the minute you begin to do that, can I tell you something? There'll be something down on the inside. You'll begin to get interesting conversations from God. God wants you to live with the gifts of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 14 says, I hope you desire spiritual gifts. Desire. I hunger for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, discernment, gift of faith. Listen, I got grandkids that want to drive my boat. She doesn't drive my boat. I got Heather was telling me about how touchy I am. That's all true. That's all true. But I got grandkids now that want to drive Pop's boat. Do you know how much faith it takes? I start praying in tongues every time we get in the boat. Because I'm going to have to hand. Some of you are going, what, 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 what? I want to see every one of you find your gifts. Because I believe that those gifts reveal who you are. I believe those gifts reveal your purpose in life. Your gifts will speak to the meaning, to why you're here. Because God wants you to be able to operate in his gifts so that you can accomplish the specific things that he has placed for you. You talk about fulfillment. There'll never be fulfillment until you know who you are. You'll never know who you are until you understand the way God works through you with the manifestations of his presence. Most people have settled for a goosebump on Sunday morning rather than take the time to learn what it means to be gifted. Well, how do I find my giftings? Listen, they're imparted. They're imparted. They moved from Moses to Joshua. They moved from Elijah to Elisha. Ananias laid hands on Paul. They're they're imparted from one person to another. 
and they're mentored. There's 30 promises in the New Testament that can only be fulfilled if you're connected to a church. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven, but if you want to be mentored in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will have to be a part of a body of Christ. You'll have to appreciate the eye and the hand that though we are many, we are one. Because it's only in the fellowship of people can we have our, our tools sharpened and our gifts discovered and affirmed and, and honed in. I have led this church through revivals. I have seen those revivals, Bruce. I know what they are. I also know that underneath that revival, the character was crappy. I experienced it firsthand. A revival will not stay where people stay unholy. You see, when the Spirit of God moves, He comes with a refiner's fire. And He will begin to burn out those things in our lives that are unholy. If we really want to see a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, it begins by allowing the Holy Spirit to burn on the inside. Those egos. Those... Notice how quiet it gets in here. How many, how many want to see the extraordinary, unusual power? Uh, see, my job is to equip you. My job is to lead you into that. My job is to help you discover the ways that God works in your life that are different from maybe how he uses Bruce. Or, listen, I have a gift to teach. If you, if you bring Annie up here... Can I tell you, the, the one time I remember us, we sat at this table and we shared, anybody remember that? Do you know we rehearsed that 12 times? <laughs> at least. I'd make her sit down, we'd look at the table, you sit this way, I'm going to say this, you're going to talk about this, I'm going to say this, you're going to talk about that. You know why? Because that girl can chase rabbits. You think I can chase rabbits. If I don't have it scripted, my God, I never know where we're going. We'll be telling you. Annie doesn't have the gift of teaching, but she has a gift of hospitality that will absolutely unnerve you. She'll let people come stay in her home. She'll just wait. She's got that gift of a Martha. Heather. Heather, Heather has a gift for children. I, I, I want to hang them up on the back wall. <laughs> I want to look at her sometimes and say, take them home. Take them home. You need to take them home. And she has a gift for hurting people, wounded people. She, they, she's a, they attract, she's a magnet for wounded souls. That, see, what, what's your gift? Your gift will reveal who you are and will reveal the purpose for which you have been called and placed in your life. You have to take the time to try to figure out what are the spiritual gifts that you've been given. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. Say different. Different gifts according to this grace. Something I don't deserve. Something each one of us have grace that was given to us according. You see, spiritual gifts are given to us that each one of our children, each one of us as the children of God might advance the kingdom of God. Amen. You do understand it's about the kingdom. Yes. It's a, say the kingdom. It's not about nations. It's about a kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. I haven't got time to engage with you in those areas that are so far below the calling of the kingdom. We're called to advance the kingdom. Not a nation. A kingdom. We are called to understand that we've been sent 
and placed here so that others could come into the kingdom of God. So that they could find their place in that kingdom. So that yes, someday they could go to the kingdom, but that the kingdom of God is within them. To realize that that calling is so much bigger than the ones I've seen people try to live. It's higher. It's more. It's abundant. We're here. It's mission critical that we begin to uncover and to accomplish what Christ did while he was here. Did you know God anointed Jesus and that he went about doing good and healing all and that he said greater things? That the gifts of the Spirit allow us to go do good and allow us to heal. Did, did we do good to people last week? Did we encourage people last week? Did we bring healing to their soul? We sometimes limit healing to what we can see in the body. Did you bring healing to someone's soul? Did you bring healing to someone's mind? We're supposed to be accomplishing those good works that God did through Christ, the fulfillment of which will manifest the kingdom of God on earth. Today, I'm trying to say to you, <sighs> Paul said you can't quench that. He said you got to stir that up. He said you can't neglect those gifts, that we're stewards of those gifts. For the last 35 years, many of you have been to my home, You've been in classrooms, and I've tried to help you take this little thing and see if we could talk about what your spiritual gifts are, what that might empower you to accomplish in your life. How many have been to one of my things and you do that? You know what I've realized is most people aren't interested. They're satisfied with going to heaven. They're satisfied with having a spiritual goosebump periodically. But very few people want to sit down and try to understand, does God speak to me with words of wisdom? Does God give me a gift of faith? Has God gifted me with healing? To really understand that. Because those gifts are given for the profit of us. Amen. That if we're going to grow and become and be transformed, we have to have those things working here in this community. So I've decided instead of inviting you to my home, I'm going to do it here. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to you about what it means to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. N number one, look at your neighbor and say, manners. manners. Mm -hmm. My old mentor, when he began to talk about this, he goes, well, first thing you have to do is teach them manners, respect. Can I tell you, when you begin to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's there's flesh involved and people will make mistakes. And it'll be silly sometimes. But we're, we're beginning to walk in baby steps as to what it means to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The reason most churches say it ceased is because they don't want to do that. They don't want to take the time to back up and say, what kind of gift do you have? How does it work in your life? Where are you finding fulfillment in that? What might that be saying to you? Am I making any sense? But if we are to walk in the exceeding greatness of His power, we must understand how God has gifted us. What it is that God is working through us that we might not quench, but that we might stir up. They don't just happen willy-nilly. When something begins to happen in our lives, there's a specific thing that addresses that. There's a specific thing that will bring healing and power into that area of your life. I, I've spent my entire life 
trying to say this to people. I want to help you discover. I want to help you to develop. And I want to help you to deploy to your highest and fullest potential in Christ. That's fulfillment. I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom from your past. I want you to discover the purpose that God has for you. And I want you to make a difference in your life. I don't want to just hold church and everybody, no, no, no. I want us to become so mature that when you face the crap you're going to face, son, that you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life that can help you through them. You see, all of you have children, and the world's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any better. It's going to be torn by men and agendas all the time. But those of us that have the gift of eternal life, the gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of His manifestation, we can be different. We can live through these moments. We can, in fact, bring healing to these moments. Not because we're aligned to this idea or that idea, but because we're Christians who are filled with the Spirit of God, empowered to know what to do in this time and in this generation. It's taken me about 18 months to pull my head out of some of the conversations I've watched my country go through and to realize I can't have anything to do with it. None of it. Because I represent another kingdom. And I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Become a citizen of this kingdom that is so well equipped that we'll know who has a word of knowledge for that situation. Who has a gift of healing for that situation. Who who has the, the gift of faith for that situation. Come on, Bruce, you remember years ago, listen, Ron Yoder, if you got a, if you got a pain in your back, get Ron Yoder to pray for you. All Ron Yoder has is touch your back. He'll be healed. And every time he'd go pray for somebody's back, he'd get healed. And I remember one day praying, God, give me the gift that Ron Yoder has. He says, no, but I'll give you Ron. I'll give you Ron. Everything we need is in our house. All the gifts of God are here. All we need to know is that they've been revealed and discovered. So, hey, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll send Bruce over there. He's, he'll discern that. I'll send, I'll send. Now you're not just attached to this dude up here. My job and a few others is to equip you so you can discover, so you can develop, so you can deploy it. And we've got to be focused. If we're going to operate in the Spirit, we're going to be focused there. We can't get entangled with the affairs. We have to stay focused. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I remember 2014. I have a dear, dear friend that just went home to be with the Lord. Bishop Erskine just stepped into glory about eight days ago. He's a dear friend of mine. And I'd call him every three or four days, and I knew he wasn't in really good health, but I'd call him. And I called him on Wednesday morning, and as I hung up the phone, I said, I'll pray for you right now. 
And I begin to pray in other tongues. He brought the Just begin to pray. And somewhere in the midst of that prayer, the Lord said, go to Tennessee. It was Wednesday morning. I said, okay. He said, go now. And I bought a plane ticket. And I was walking to that man's house at 7 o'clock in Sparta, Tennessee. When I walked in, he was all but dead. And in 48 hours, we were able to get him into a hospital, cut off a leg, put him in a ward, pumping through antibiotics. And all the while, I thought, who am I? Where's his family? They didn't come, not one of them. And I've walked with him for seven or eight years. Some of you know how close. And it all started with me just praying in tongues and saying, Lord, what, what am I to do? He didn't tell me to call somebody. He didn't tell me to tell me to go. I tell you, I don't pray in tongues because I think I'm better. I don't operate the gifts of the Spirit because I think I'm more holy. Operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I am less. Because if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I would never be able to live. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning in a journey in the hearts of every person that they would hunger and thirst to discover the gifts that you have placed within them. That they would develop those gifts with a sharpness. Lord, you would be able to use them in all kinds of areas of ways. That, Father, we would be people that not only know you and are free of our past, but we would know our purpose and would make a difference. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just pray with me? Would you just ask the Lord to reveal those things to you? Would you just ask Him that over the next two or three weeks that God would reveal those special things that are unique inside of you? That He'd help you to perfect them, to develop them, that they would work fully every area of your life. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless, and I'll see you next time.